welcome to the Beauty School Bobby podcast. I am so excited to talk with the guests that I have today. I am here with Sam Via, obviously not in person the way that we want to be doing this interview, the way I've dreamed of doing this interview, but I'm very happy that we're on Zoom together at least. I feel like we're at least connected a little bit here. <laughs> welcome to the show, Sam. Bobby, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. I'm so excited because I really believe the students are the rainbows of the future. So anything for the students and anything for the schools. Well, I love that. We were catching up briefly before we started recording, but we're clearly in the middle of a pandemic right now. Things are really crazy. It's a crazy time um, for this country. Where are you at? Where are you quarantined? I am quarantined in my home, which is just outside of Jacksonville, Florida, and it is so nice to be home. Yes. So we were talking about how much you travel. I mean, I'm sure anyone that's listening to this podcast um, or watching this video that has met you or seen you um, on stage before has seen you obviously not in your home. You travel a lot. So yeah, this is like a whole new life for you. Yes, it is. It's actually, a, you know, I've, I've discovered things, you know, and when people ask me, how much are you on the road, Sam? I really can't tell them. I can tell them how many days I average at home, which is probably about eight days a month I'm at home. So, Bobby, it has been really, really nice to be at home. Unfortunately, it's for the wrong reason, yet it is what it is. Yes. Well, we're happy to get this time with you. We'll at least take up, you know, some of your day. I'm sure you're so busy. I know you, and I know you're not just sitting around at home. So we're going to just take a little bit of your time today to talk to you. So um, I want to ask you, this is obviously no normal for all of us. What do you think um, is like the one thing from quarantine um, that you're going to bring back into um, normal or norm, new normal that we establish once we can go back? What are you taking with you? What has this time taught you? Oh my gosh, Bobby, that's, you know, it, I have to say that when this whole crisis, let's call it started, it, uh, it really allowed me to push my reset button. I know we've heard the word reset, we've heard the word pivot, all of these things, but it really gave me an opportunity to reset myself. And what I mean by that, it gave me an opportunity to really stabilize my surroundings and stabilize myself as who I am as a person. And what I mean by that is it's given me an opportunity to reset my voice as a teacher. It's really given me an opportunity to reset my hands as a teacher. It's given me an opportunity to reset myself as a father, as a husband. So there's been a lot of things that I've discovered during this time that I really want to bring back. I feel, Bobby, that there's this wall in front of us for these last three months, let's call it. And, you know, we've all been trying to figure out how we're going to get through this wall so we can get back to work. We're going to figure out a way to go over it, around it, under it, or through it. But my real question to people is, Bobby, is how are you going to come out on the other side of the wall as a person? And that's been my focus for the last three months is, you know, just really trying to evaluate myself as a person in the industry. And what am I going to stand for as I come out of this whole crisis that we're going through? Yeah, I really love that. I think that we've been doing the same thing. Um, I actually had a conversation with a student today. Um, the students were able to switch to distance learning a little bit um, where we are. Um, and I know, and I kind of want to talk to you about some of the things that you've been able to give back to students during this time as well. Um, but I think that focusing on yourself during this time is exactly what we were meant to be doing. Like we have to come out of this different. I'm challenging all of our students to really look inside, look inward about what they can do to better themselves in this time. It was 
um, a setback um, for a lot of people, but I want I don't want that to be the message that comes out of this. I want them to say like, hey, this gave me time to really think about what I want to do in my career and all of that. So that's definitely you know one thing that we're encouraging um, also. So I'm glad that that message is is what you're doing too. Yes, well, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for the students to really figure out. And I mean, with all the online learning that was going on, I think we discovered, oh, wow, this is another resource for you to learn, but I never realized how big it really could be. But I, what I want the students to remember is this, you know, online learning is fantastic, but I'm sure they missed being away from school. Now that they're back, or I hope that they're back, if, yeah. you know, when they're, when they're back, now they can feel the vibe of being back in school. You know, the, the internet, the, the, the networking that goes on, you know, the attitude of the school, the vibe of the school. And I want them to remember that because when they become salon professionals, what's so important is to remember as, an, as a hairdresser, you must never cease to learn. So what I'm saying to the students, Bobby, is that it's so important that they understand education, education, education never stops. So when they get out of school, not only do they have online education as a resource, but they have offline education as a resource, which is students, pick your right. beautiful self up from the computer and go to live shows. That's so, so important. Yeah, I agree. I think we all value things a little bit differently. I think as I mean, that first day back, although everything was different and we're in masks and um, social distancing and we're making these adjustments, I think the message that we wanted to keep giving our students is that we are adaptable. Yes, this is not ideal. And but they came back so positive. I think everyone we all were, we're such a little family here. And so when we could, even though we can't hug, we're all clasping our hands like, we're like I just want to hug you so bad. Um, we can't. But you know, we just came back a little bit different and we definitely I think the students just appreciate um, school a little bit more which has been which has been good they appreciate that camaraderie of having their friends with them and all of that stuff so I'll bet they did I you know what though I mean when they come back hopefully they came back with more intent and purpose in terms of desire to learn and I want yeah. the students to remember is you know I once sat where you're where you sitting now you have to understand that I sat where you sat and if I can do what I'm doing today you can do it and Bobby, I have to share a story is when I was in beauty school, my teacher came, I was like, I was in there about three months. And my teacher came up to me, Bobby, and she said, hey, Sam, yes, teacher, your rollers are falling out underneath the dryer. So I want you to go put them back in and you might think about doing something else. So it was kind of like, whoa, you're kidding me. I'm going to prove to you, teacher, that I can do this. So students, basically what I'm saying is pay attention in school and learn every single thing that you can because the past is where we learn and the future is where you're going to apply it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about you being in beauty school. I want to hear your beauty school story. How did you come into the industry? Where were you in your life when that light bulb went off that I want to do hair? How did this happen? Oh, Bobby, it's a great story. I grew up in my father's barbershop. So, you know, during my summertime and my weekends away from school, I was in the barbershop and my responsibility was I shine shoes. And I hated it. I'm just going to be really honest with you. I really did not like being around the hair, around the barbershop. And I thought to myself, watching my father stand up all day long and me shining shoes all day, sometimes I never got to sweep the hair. And I could see him standing in ankle deep. He was doing one after another. And I told wow. myself, gosh, I'm never going to do what he does. And here I am today, you know, on the cosmetology side, not on the barber side, but on the cosmetology side. And it all began as a junior in college, I dropped out. I was going to school on a volleyball scholarship as a setter. 
and I dropped out my junior year, coming home one weekend, having dinner with my parents, I sat at the table and said, you know, I, I love school, but it's not really, you know, it's not working in terms of what I really want to do. My mom's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to beauty school. Well, my mom's jaw dropped and my dad was clapping underneath the table. And she's, she was like, what do you mean? You only have one year left. You're going to give up everything. I go, mom, I cut school half the time, go to the beach and play volleyball. And I'm a PE major and there's no money in that. So I said, I want to go to beauty school. Now, Bobby, mind you, this was 1976. You probably weren't born. But it was, the, it was a time when I thought, you know what? I want to do what dad does. I want to try it. So off to beauty school, I went. And probably about, I'd say about, probably about four months into beauty school, my dad called me and said, hey, we're going to go to a hair show. I said, what's that? And he said, oh, that's where you learn the latest techniques and trends. He goes, it's something that you need to know about. You always need to go to the shows and learn. I said, all right. So my dad picked me up. He said, what are you doing Sunday? I said, dad, I got no money. I'm not doing anything. He said, well, I'm going to pick you up early. We're going to go to the show. So when he picked me up, I asked him, who are we going to see? Now, mind you, this was 1976. So he said, we're going to see Vidal Sassoon. So we went to see Vidal Sassoon in San Francisco at the Hyatt Regency. I'll never forget. My dad was smart. We got there early and we got right in the second row, right in the middle. And the show started and it was uh, Vidal it was Christopher uh, Broker, Roger Thompson, Alan Benfield Bush. I mean, these people, they're are magical. Yes. And I said, uh, when they started cutting, they took these Asian women with long hair and just melted it down to these great shapes. And I was on the edge of my seat. My dad's like, sit back. I said, dad, dad, I want to do that. He said, what's that? I said, I want to be up there someday. And I want to do that. He said, son, that's all ego and no money. If you choose to do that, do it and stay humble, don't get egotistical, and then make sure that you plan yourself to be able to survive on that, doing that. So off to back to school I went. Now, Bobby, what was so cool, I went back with, to school with more intent and purpose, and I was gonna prove that teacher wrong, that I could do it. So, you know, the story is that, you know, the life that I've come from and where I've grown up, I mean, if you really focus on what you want, where you wanna, who you wanna be, let me say it that way, you can be that person. But it really requires patience. It requires practice. It requires continuous education, and not giving up. It follows, you know, follow through the commitment. So that's basically where it started and how I started. That's incredible. I actually have something really weird to tell you because you had said that your dad had said the way to do this is to stay humble and that you use that word. And I believe in, or I've had this moment in my life where I've, I'm starting to realize like repetition of words and I'm trying to like be conscious of that. And I actually like, I don't know if you can see, I kind of want to show you. I wrote the word humble on this paper because this is so bizarre and so weird but um i've talked to a few like a lot of people about how i was going to talk to you and how excited i was to have you on this podcast because as i started the podcast i'd be like i mean if we could get tambia if we could get tambia i mean it's all that i have said like i don't know who i'm gonna get now because you've kind of been like our white whale i'm like i've got to get him but um they kept saying humble and so I think it's really beautiful that as a part of your story, your dad said like, yes, you can do this and you can whatever, but stay humble. You've clearly done that when everyone's describing you in that way. So I'm really, I just think it's, I think it's really cool. And I think that you've done such an amazing thing um, with who you're, how you're able to touch lives and what you're able to do. And to know that like, that was an inspiration of going to a hair show. I love it. I think it's, I think it's incredible. 
Well, you know, there was one thing my father said. He said, I want you to remember, if you can help people get what they want, you will get what you want. So, and he says, and you do that by simply putting people first. So I had this thing that I've always believed people buy people, then they buy things. So it's about making connections, especially in today's world, Bobby, with what's going on. All people want to do is make a connection. They just want to yeah. be connected to people. And that's what we're you know, really striving to do in the industry, especially now. Yeah. But the idea of that was it's the ego. You know, a lot of people ask me, Sam, how'd you get where you're at? I said, it's man basically managing the ego. And what I mean by that is ego is important. And students got to get this. Ego is important. You got to have it. But I'm going to ask you, how do you manage it? You know, you got to let go of fear, you know, you, because it's the fear that creates ego. Like that teacher telling me, Sam, you might want to think of something else. She really scared me in saying that. Put a lot of fear, like, wow, am I going to make it? Or can I do this? That kind of thing. But right. when you really let go of the fear, that because that's what creates the ego, it creates fear, and fear creates the ego, makes it go, well, are people going to like me? Or am I going to say the right thing when I get up on stage? I hope they like the hair. I hope they like the way I'm dressed. That's putting you first and not the learners first. So right. it's about being learner focused. It's about putting the learners first and making the, uh, putting them first and making the audience the hero because the hero is in the room. You know, I'm not the hero. I'm just the messenger delivering the message. I go and find it. I tweak it, make it simple because I believe in today's world, simplicity is today's brilliance, keeping things simple. So that's my, you know, what I, where I really strive to do it you know, is, is, is being a messenger. Whereas before, when I started, I wanted to be a great haircutter. I wanted to do this avant-garde work. And I did all that. But in the process of doing that, I learned a lot. I experienced a lot. And it pulled, made me pull back those reins in terms of who do you want to be? And when I asked myself, the final answer was, you know what? I want to be a teacher. And when I leave as this industry, I want to be remembered as a teacher. And I think that's so important to understand. It's just about, you know, letting go of the ego and letting go of fear. And don't worry so much about what people think. Worry about, did the person that you were communicating with, did they get the point? Did they walk away with a learning experience? You know, I believe yeah. that my, my smile is my business card. My, uh, yeah, my, uh, my smile is my business card. My personality is my logo. And how you remember me when you walk away with me after you experience me is my trademark. And I think, you know, that's what I try to keep inside of here when interacting with people. Yeah. And I think if you go into it with this mindset, I mean, you're so passionate about this industry, but I think in just even this conversation, I mean, it's obvious that you're passionate about the people in this industry. Um, obviously like the hair is important and all of that stuff, but it's definitely, it's the people for you. You believe. And I think that's, that's why the people that I've, you know, told that we're doing this are like, Oh, you and Sam are just going to hit it off. You both. I, that's exactly my mentality about this. I don't have sales goals at my job. I'm lucky enough to work at a beauty school where it's family owned, where fourth generation family owned it's it's different um we're not just pumping people in getting them out you know we get to have that moment of like no let me sit down and talk to you let me meet with you let me see what your goals are i talked to a girl this morning just as she was coming in getting to meet with the students and um, talking to her about a new mindset that she has about you know how she's going to kind of approach life a little bit differently and all that stuff 
That's what matters. I have our cosmetology teachers here to teach them what I know that they need to learn, but I wanna be the person that's building them up and encouraging them and all of that stuff. I mean, I think that that passion for people, that love for people is 100% what keeps me in this industry. Uh, I, didn't, I don't do hair. I, I'm here strictly because I love people and I love this industry so much. It's just incredible. So I love that. I love your personality. And one of the things that I think is important is, you know, we're talking about people. And I think that's what's so important is when this whole COVID started, this crisis, I took a look in, in terms of stabilizing my team at the Sanvia brand. And I said, what's most important to me, is not about sales. It's not about sales. I said, it's about education. So when the America's Beauty Show canceled, I told, canceled, I told my team, the show goes on. And we did a two-day digital event nonstop for 45 minutes, just rotating the team and sharing education. And it was free. And we were raising money for the PBA COVID-19 relief fund. And wow. what the point, the, the point that I'm getting at is that, you know, uh, it's, this is about people. So when, when this started, one of the first things I thought, okay, Sam, how are you going to support the hairdresser? How are you going to support the hairdresser? So one of the first things I, I started to support was these color kits at home. Mm. Uh, Bobby, I can't believe how I got bashed how I just got bashed on social regarding how dare you, Sam, you of all integrity, telling people to do their own color at home and us creating color kits. And my response was, to, like I said to people, I said, okay, yes, you're right. It doesn't meet the standards of what I've had, but my standards have changed based upon what's going on today in today's mm -hmm. world. I said, let me give you an example. The reason I'm supporting that is because number one, the hairdresser needs the income. Number two, the person that's going to do that color, the hairdresser is protecting the person, giving them the proper color kit, etc. But the person that's going to do the color, you don't know what how they're looking at themselves in the mirror. They right. could have had their close relative died because of COVID-19 last week. And now they're looking at themselves in the mirror and going, I look horrible. I've got three inches of outgrowth. I, I don't want to look like this anymore. My best friend, my relative just passed away. I don't want to look. So can you see how, what I'm trying to get is this, as long as what I do during this time, put a smile on somebody's face, that's the most important to me now. Mm -hmm. If I need to, after this is all said and done, I will pick up my standards and my belief system. But right now I need to be flexible. I need yeah. to be able to adapt to what's happening on, what's happening in the industry in regards to this crisis. You know, we have to understand that going back the hairdressing industry is, is, it's made a change. You know, it's not going to be the same when people go back to the salon. And students mm -hmm. need to know and understand that they need to understand how important what they're learning is going to be so valuable to them in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like, I mean, everyone wants to have an opinion and, you know, especially I think it's attentions are high. I like to, I don't know, try to believe that, <laughs> that get, look at the best in people and say, okay, like maybe it's, but it seems like, I mean, people are kind of looking for a reason, I think, to, to point fingers sometimes. Um, but I think how you handle it and like really being honest and saying like, yeah, I'll, I'll go back to whatever afterwards, but this is, we're dealing with people. This isn't about us. We're trying to spread love and spread love to everyone to make them feel good. It goes back to that, you know, if that's your focus always, I think you, and you act according to that, you probably act a little different than most people. Most people aren't thinking about everyone else all the time. So it's not always going to mesh. You know, I did a news, uh, I was um, on the local news here, and this was based upon this benefit that I was doing, social fun. And they uh, asked me, do you feel that the hairdresser is essential. 
I said, well, let's define essential first and let's take a look and let's first of all, thank the essential workers, which are the nurses and the doctors and the people in the front line. Yet, if you're asking me, is the hairdresser essential? Let me say it this way. The hairdresser is, is essential to the human being's mindset in terms of how we make a person feel, how we can transport, how we can transform a person's life, how a person can walk into a salon with a really difficult mindset and they walk out with a completely turned around mindset of positivity by simply spending time with us. So if you're asking me if we're essential, we are essential to a human being's mind. So yes, in that particular case, we are essential. Right. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, okay. So I want to get back to um, the, so your story being in, um, being in the industry. So um, you go to beauty school. What happens after, where were you living at the time that you went to beauty school? Where, where were you in Florida or were you in California? I was in San Francisco Bay area, okay. uh, which awesome. is after, after school. I was out of school. I think, let's see, 76. I was out of school for four years in 1980. I opened up my salon. And the two happiest days of my life, now don't get this wrong, but two happiest days of my life, number one, when I opened it, and number two, when I got rid of it. But the, uh, but do I miss the salon environment? Yes, I miss it. I miss the clients, I miss the team atmosphere. But I made a decision in my life, which is I chose to be a teacher. I chose mm -hmm. to focus on upgrading the industry and sharing with the industry and the, and the whole circle and the sandbox of education. <clears throat> and then as I went along my career, I started working with manufacturers and my father advised me, don't jump around from one manufacturer to another. You know, he suggested if you can never get with Redken, get with Redken. So I think after my, I worked with two different manufacturers and then by, you know, by the stroke of luck, I had a phone call from Redken say, Hey, we'd love to come, have you come join us. And I think yeah. that's where my career really took off was because Redken gave me the skills uh, to, and the resources to build me that the person I am today in terms of yeah. learner-based uh, focused teaching, et cetera. So, and then I just took off in terms of my platform, my teaching career. And my goal was just to be a teacher and keep things simple and putting the audience first. Yeah, and what is your timeline as far as you end up with Redken, which was in what year? I mean, that was, you've been with Redken for a long time. Yes, I have. I was, I've been with Redken since 19, 1996. Wow. I joined them in 96. So and imagine you that. Were you an educator? I mean, were you on stage before that for years? So, I mean, did you close your salon going to Redken or what was that timeline? No, I was working in a salon. I had the salon for about two years, about, I had it for 20 years. The last two years, about the last year I started working with Redken. But what made me really decide that Bobby was, you know, coming home one weekend and my staff waiting for me in the office. And I wait, they all, you know, 20 something of them were there and they're saying, I said, okay, so are you guys walking out on me? They said, no, Sam, you taught us to speak openly and we want you to know that the salon's just not the same when you're here. It's a different vibe. It's a different attitude. You're the energy of the salon. We're here because of you, because we want to learn from you. And you're not, you're only here now three, three days a week. So we just want you to know that we miss you. So that was, that was an opening for me, Bobby, where I realized that okay, I need to make a decision in my career. Do I want to be a salon owner or do I want to be an educator? Because I'm, I'm, sure I'm giving them the short end of the stick by not being there like I promised them. So that, at that point, that's when I made a, a choice to go into saying, okay, I'm going to get rid of the salon and I'm going to focus on being an educator. 
How hard was that decision? I mean, do you remember just feeling a pit in your stomach on that day of saying like, I, because I can imagine that you were wanting to do both so well. I, I can imagine that you were just, you were wanting the best for the salon, wanting to be the best. Like you weren't trying to spread yourself thin. It kind of sometimes, I think a lot of people experience this. I think it can just sometimes happen that way. So how did you, what was that decision like to close it? I mean, what, how did you get to that point? It was a tough decision, but then again, it goes to my standards in regards to people. I, like I said, I was giving them the short end of the stick. I wasn't following through my commitment, which is they were right. The reason we're there here, Sam, is because of you. So now you're only here three days and not five. So we're two days short of your teachings. We're two days short of your education. We're two, joy, two days short of your motivation and how you inspire us. So, you know, that was what, what was the, the, what barely made me lean towards the decision of, you know what, I can impact more people at one time by being a teacher. Whereas in a salon, I could only impact, impact those that are around me. So that was the decision making. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough spot to be in. I can imagine that that was not an easy place, but look where you are now. So I think that you, I want to say that you made the right choice. Um, but so, <laughs> so you go, um, you go out, you know, you're on your own, you sell the salon, um, you get with Redkin. So now what did Redkin look like at that time? I have heard, um, that Redkin looks a little different now than it was when you started, um, that you, um, had maybe a little bit to do with the Redkin love and like all of that stuff. Um, so tell me what it looked like then and kind of what you brought to it. I think at that time, if you recall, that was when there were, that big earthquake happened in California. And that's when Redken lost a lot of their, their business in terms of the building, the building, some parts of the building collapsed. So they decided that they wanted to make a move. So they decided we need to get to where really the head is of fashion, where the head is of corporate, and that's New York. So that's when okay. they picked up and decided to move to New York. And then, then that's when they decided, well, let's see him, come join us in New York. And so that's when they really started to understand we need to change the way education is taught at shows. And if you recall back in those days, that's when we started bringing up flip charts and we started working with flip charts and everybody's like, what's Redkin doing? What are they doing with those flip charts? But what we were doing was we were really appealing to the visual learner. We were appealing to the kinesthetic learner that wanted to draw. Most cases shows prior to that, you appealed to the auditory learner. So it really opened up a door. You know, Redkin, I really, really believe this, and I'm not saying this because I'm part of Redkin, but I think Redkin changed education in the industry in terms of the show environment and how it was taught. And we became learner focused. You know, I continue to talk about that, how it became about the audience. So if the audience would ask me in the question, a question, in the old days, I'd fire back the answer. And I'd be like this, okay, I got the answer. I know that answer. I got it for you. But, you know, Red can change me, Bobby, in the way where they, they said, hey, Sam, okay, this is the way you're going to do it now. You know the answer to that question. I said, yes, I know the answer. Okay, now make them the hero. I said, well, what do you mean? They said, ask them a series of questions that lead them to that answer. And I go, I got it. So I would ask them a series of questions, and then student would go, oh, blah, blah, blah. I go, great, you got it. That's it. And the student would be like, wow, yeah, I got it. I came up with the answer. But little did they know that I led them to that answer. Now, that's learner-focused. See, that's when, that's when you really invite more participation. Now that student's like, okay, I want to participate more. I want to participate more. And that's interactive learning. 
And that's where I think education really changed in terms of Redken really becoming an education. I'm so proud to say that I had, a, I played a part in terms of principle-based design, you know, creating that curriculum along with Chris Barron, the great Chris Barron. Yeah. And now he's taken over that curriculum. He's rewritten it. But that put us on the map in terms of the way we were teaching. It was based on principles. It was based upon facts. It wasn't based upon catchy phrases and catchy language. So I think that is when we opened up the exchange where it really started to change Redken and grow Redken as a, as a different uh, vibe in terms of a brand and a manufacturer. Awesome. Well, we are so thankful that you ended up there and so thankful that we get to, we're a Redken Premier School, so we actually get um, to use a lot um, of what you've done. So I think that that's really incredible. And there's so many people that are that are getting this, um, getting this version of the beauty industry, getting this version of beauty school um, that, you know, it's a lot thanks to you. So that's, that's, that's incredible. incredible. Thank um, you. Yeah, of course. So um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you too is you've kind of brought in this idea and I actually have a quote from you, if it's okay, if I share something that you said that really um, ha is something that I've reread over and over and over again. Um, so you said sharing is the greatest gift we can give one another to help each other grow and prosper. We all need to pay it forward. And I just think that that is such a beautiful message because you have this idea of salon, salon culture of artists supporting artists um, and how important that is. I I think one of the things about the beauty industry that I, it's just one of those stereotypes that I just really want to go away, um, is just the idea that salons are this toxic environment where it's women just like being at each other when really what I've seen is this beautiful support. Um, I've seen in beauty school, I've seen these friendships that are made that are like they're in each other's weddings. They are having babies at the same time. They're beauty school besties as we call it. I mean, it's just so beautiful and I've seen just such an encouragement. I think sometimes it's just this idea that the salons are catty and um but i like that you have a different way a different way to approach this and then, like i said the artist supporting artists i wanted to ask you what can we do what can we do in the schools um what can new stylists be doing to change the culture in the salons i know that it starts at the top um that you have to be working for somebody that has created um this culture also but what can you do as a beauty school student going into a new environment to make sure that you're positive well, I really think, you know, this whole tag of uh, artists supporting artists that comes from uh, my education director, Andrew Crothers and I sitting down and discussing, you know, listen, we know what we're about as a brand, which is we support people, but we need to come up with something. And Andrew said, you know, artists supporting artists. I thought that was great. They went into salon supporting salons, brand supporting brands. In other words, our message is, is that there's plenty out there for everybody. And I mean, everybody. I mean, I, I really believe that as a student, if, if you... Uh, if I could be transparent here, Bobby, as a student, you know, I really wish that I would have been taught how to work with all textures of hair. Unfortunately, I was not taught how to work with all textures of hair. And now with this big movement that's going on and this whole idea of what's happening on our streets, I think that the hair industry needs to wake up. And we need to understand that, you know, all textures of hair need to be taught in school. You know, as a hairdresser, Hair, I, I need to say this, hair doesn't have a race. It does mm -hmm. not have a race. And I think that as a hairdresser, we should be really uh, um, taught all types of textures of hair and understand how important that is. And I, you know, if I could go back to school, I would want to learn that. Now that's why I want the students to understand that it's so important you learn everything. You might hate finger waves like I did, 
but I guarantee you, you're going to reach back out of that toolbox. You're going to pull it out of your toolbox and you're going to need it someday. Someday you're going to have such an unruly texture sit in your chair as a client. You're going to have to know how to control and how to work with that unruly texture. So I really believe that, our, you know, I think that as an education brand, as an education company, one of the greatest abilities that we have is to affect the change that I believe we need to see. And that begins with education. And I really believe that that's so important that we recognize that, that it change needs to happen in our industry. And that's so important. And I mean, artists supporting artists, and I'm talking about all artists supporting all artists. That's so important. Yeah, we actually had a meeting yesterday and are implementing a class next week, um, bringing in um, a woman in the area that has come and done classes for our students um, at the school. And we're doing that next week. So I am 100% on board with you. That is something that we've been lacking. Um, I think through this time, if we don't wake up and start listening um, and sit back, take a step back and really listen to what people are saying, experiences that other people have had, if we don't change with this, we will be in the we will be behind we need to start making changes here on the front end so i love that you're on board with that too it, make, it makes you feel like we're in the right direction <laughs> yes you know what I, I commend you guys and applaud you guys for recognizing that i think that's so important i think we all together need to make a commitment and that commitment is in terms of being inclusive and expanding our education to include all textures of hair that's so important so i really applaud you guys in terms of what you're doing i know that as a brand that's something that we need to do and we will continue yeah. to do that and expand that in the future yeah well i think we're going in the right direction so i really i really love that um so during this time obviously things have changed in the beauty industry um where we are here in knoxville tennessee we are in phase two of reopening obviously they're just starting to make changes in other parts of the country um so i wanted to kind of give you an example um i know there are a couple of people that i a couple of my graduates that i have in mind that i'm kind of asking this for but um so a month maybe two months before COVID happens there's a um you know there's students that, or stylists that are new in the salon, that salons that have just started their career. Everything's put on hold. How am I going to build my clientele? I can't even be updating my Instagram right now because this, 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 whatever the reason is, what can somebody be doing during this time as a new stylist to kind of overcome this, to make sure that this isn't a setback for them that makes them leave the industry? Um, what can a new stylist do or what challenges do you think that they're going to face that uh, maybe we can help them overcome? Okay, I think what's important to realize is what we stated earlier that whether we like it or not, the reality is, is that the business, is, as, it, as it was, it's gone. So a lot of salon owners that I've talked to and a lot of uh, uh, um, councils that I've been on, I've been talking to the salon owners, tell them, look, the first thing you need to really do is stabilize your team. And you need to stabilize your team in terms of making them know that the, the income, the revenue is not going to be what it was because it's the, you know, with the guidelines taking one person at a time. So set them up. And I think, you know, then again is how do you, how do you help your stylist grow? And I think a lot of that happens now. It's a different connection that needs to happen. And, and I think it's the value that you're going to add to the appointment surface. That's going to make the difference, you know, creating an experience. I think stylists behind the chair need to remember that for every person now, that sits in your chair is more valuable than they've ever been before. So it's about how you communicate that. You know, we talked about resetting your communication skills coming back. Uh, it's the idea of this. Let's say, for example, I'm building a clientele. I had three clients today. That's all I had. If I was that stylist and I had three clients, 
there were probably conversations that happened about color, that if they didn't have a color, there was conversations. Or if they had a color, maybe they talked about, you know what, let's go blonde next time. So what I would do is I would go to Pinterest. And let's say one of those clients, you talked to them about going blonde. I would go to Pinterest, get three beautiful shades of blonde, a shape that you see the client that looks like the client's haircut, send that those three photos, text it to that client while they are at work, Bobby, while they're at work. So when the client gets it at work, they're going to look at it and they're going to go, okay, hey, guys, what color do you think I should go? And the team that where her work, workplace is going to go, what are you talking about, Louise? Oh, my hairdresser just sent me these photos. I'm thinking about going blonde. What do you guys think? Wait a minute, Louise, Louise. Hey, guys, tell me what you think. Louise, Louise, your hairdresser just sent you those photos? Yeah. Which one do you think? Louise, Louise, who do you go to? Where do you go? I can't believe your hairdresser just sent you those. So you can see that's another way to market yourself. So using your downtime to make a connection with those people that you had an experience with. And then I highly recommend, you know, do get more into virtual consultations. So for example, follow-ups, not just consultations now, but a follow-up. So let's say, Bobby, I did your hair last week. Well, this week I'm reaching out to you and I'm sending you a text. Hey, Bobby, would love to FaceTime with you. Let's talk about how your haircut's working. Let's talk about the process of you finishing. Is there any way that I can help you? I've got a couple tips I'd love to share with you that I've discovered since you've been away that I would love to share with you that involves your shape, that involves your finishing. Let me know a, a great day that work with you or time and we'll FaceTime and talk about it. Now, once again, that's making a connection. So what I'm trying to say is that the world of the hairdresser is changing in terms of you need to market yourself. Don't count on the salon owner. And it needs to happen in this new way of using this phone as a great tool. So Bobby, can you imagine I'm doing your hair? I cut your hair and then I say to you, Bobby, I really want to help you master your blow dry. So let's take your phone, Bobby. Let's paste, place it on this monkey tripod on my station and let's videotape me teaching you how to blow dry your hair. So now, Bobby, can you imagine as I blow dry, I'm telling you how to do it. Then I hand you the blow dryer and brush. And now I got you to do it. I'm going, no, Bobby, Bobby, it's going to work better if you stand up. Now look how much more flexible your body is. Now I want you to take that, place the round brush in there. Now roll it down. Now, Bobby, if you have to place the blow dryer down, place it down. Let's get that round brush in there. Good. Now you got it. Now pick up your own blow dryer. Now hit your wrist and follow it to the brush. Now you're focusing your heat. That's good, Bobby. Now, can you imagine, Bobby, after I'm done with your appointment, I'm handing your, your phone back to you and saying, hey, Bobby, you've got your own YouTube now, and you've got your own YouTube tutorial, and guess what? You're the star, and I'll be there every morning to say good morning. Let's blow dry your hair. Just place me on your vanity with you every morning, push the video play, and I'll be there every morning to coach you. Now, Bobby, I don't know about you, but that's an experience. Yeah. That's how hairdressers need to understand those three ways that I just gave you, that's how they're going to build and expand on their clientele. That's uh -huh. where I feel we need to go in that direction. I love that. And I think if the idea is that through this, we're getting a more one-on-one -on -one personalized um, relationship with our stylist, like how wonderful. And I actually, as you were talking about that, I was just thinking like, I bet the other stylist next to you is going to be like, oh man, I better step up my game. I've got to do this too. Their, their guest sitting in the chair is going to be like, hey, will you show me how to do that? I mean, an entire salon could change. Like, I just would love to go into a salon and see that happening. I think it'd be so cool.
can you imagine that client is at dinner with her girlfriends and she's the honeybee of the tribe. She's the yes. bee of the tribe. And she's showing, hey, look at, check this out. They go, whoa, what are you doing? This is my hairdresser videotaped me, him teaching me how to do my hair. Now everybody's going to go, so who's your hairdresser? Where do you go? You yeah. see, so that, these are, there's different ways now in which to build a clientele. Yeah. Well, I love that. That's really, really great advice. Thank you for sharing that because I feel like that's incredible and is really going to change um, change the way people are doing things. So I really love that. I have one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. One more thing that I just am kind of wanting to know how it happened or what the details are. Um, I wanted to ask you about you developing your brand. Um, obviously, um, the way that um, you've gone through your um, career is not what every stylist is going to do. Um, this is rare, obviously, but I want to talk to you about how you developed your brand. I mean, you have um, a whole um, line of your um, hot tools and all of that stuff. Tell me about, about how that happened. How long have you had that and, and how did that come about? Well, we just had our 10-year anniversary. It's been 10 years. Congratulations. It came about in the fact that as I was thinking, I thought, you know, I, have, I need to have an exit plan. <clears throat> Excuse me. As a Redkin artist, I need to have a re exit plan because Redkin's not going to love me forever. You know, <laughs> artists come and go. So I felt, okay, okay what, what do I want to do? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to, you know, my two uh, mentors in my life, my two best friends, very lucky, um, said, well, so what do you want to do? I said, you know what, I want to make DVDs. I want to make education DVDs. So I said, come to the Redkin Symposium and uh, let's discuss it. So these guys, they knew, they've known me since, well, God, since I went to beauty school, best friends. And they became very big in what they, what they did in their careers. One of them was the vice president of the GAT, and the other one was the senior accountant for Memorex at the time. Wait, these are your beauty school friends? Yeah, these were two of my friends. They were not in beauty school. Oh, okay. They, I was like, wow. <laughs> okay, got it. And they, follow, they followed me around during my career. And I said, I just spoke to him and said, hey, I need to do so. Hey, Sam, we, we can help you with that. I said, oh, great. We'll coach you through it. I said, okay, so come to Redkin Symposium. After the grand opening of the symposium, I said, meet me at the front entrance. I'll meet you there, and we'll walk back to my room. We'll talk. Well, it took us three hours to get back to my room because every person would on the way would stop, say, can I do get a picture? Can I talk to you? And I don't turn down a photo opportunity. It's just the way I am. It's just I feel it's so important. It's, I owe it to those people to just pause right. and take a photo with them. So they said, so Sam, what do you want to do? I said, DVDs. They go, dude, you realize that you need to do more than DVDs. I go, what do you mean? They go, it took you three hours. It's time. Let's think of more than just one skew. Think of a big, I go, well, how about tools? Let's do tools. You know, let's work, make tools that are ergonomically safe for the industry. So that's how it started. From there, we went out, you know, I mortgaged my home, started the brand, but it was all about the concept of creating an exit plan. And, you know, it's, I still have not exited. I think, you know, I'm going to be with Redken until they kick me out. But yeah, the idea I, think, is, I think you're stuck uh, a little but, bit. In a good way. We don't want Yes. <laughs> but, the, but the idea is, is that it gave me an opportunity. And I went to Redken and said, look, I'm, here's my business plan. These are my partners. Here's who I had. I'm, my advertising, marketing, everybody sat down at the table. And Redken took me seriously because I had all the big wigs in the, in the room and said, I, this is what I want to do. I just want your okay. I'm not asking for money. I just want your verbal support that it's okay for me to do this. And they looked at me and they said, Sam, this is incredible the way you put this together. As long as you don't come out with a wet line, you have our support. The moment you come out with a wet line, then it's going to be a conflict of interest, which is, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's basically how it started. And then we just kept growing it. But the brand is built, I said, tools are secondary. The brand is built on education. Education sells. I said, education will sell. I said, Ed, if we do the right kind of education and we present it in the right way, that's just going to complement selling the tools. But then again, the tools were built the right way so that they're ergonomically correct. I mean, coming out with a forward set handle on a shear just blew the industry away. They're like, oh my mm -hmm. gosh. And that just comes from going to a doctor saying, hold out your hand. That's the natural position of your hand. Make the shear so it fits there instead of you guys forcing your thumb to go to a position it doesn't go. So that was a common thing to do at the time. So that it revolutionized itself. And then the idea of, you know, how did we get where we're at in terms of our social? You know, people go, God, you have tons of following. It's never been about the number to me. It's always been about when we started social, we saw social as a means. We didn't have the advertising dollars. So we thought, let's take the social route and get the exposure on social. But I told the team, let's not do hour-long educational things for the lookout. Let's do educational sound bites, tips and tricks. And some of my Redkin colleagues like, really? Tricks, Sam? You're going to call it tricks? What are you, a magician now? I go, no. It's sound bites five, seven long, five, seven minutes long, 10-minute sound bites. And it ended up being the right way to go. And I saw that because of the Z generation, you know, all of these millennials, and they want it now. They don't want to sit there and download a long DVD. They don't want to sit there and watch an hour. Give me the trick right now. Okay, got it. Now let me go try it. So that's basically how the brand grew and where we're at now. And now my goal is right now is to continue to upgrade the industry and open up the variety of education that we offer and really be a strong voice in the industry. We're a small brand, but we're a mighty voice in the industry. You 100%, you are a mighty voice. That is true. That is for sure. Um, so I want to ask you, who's inspiring you right now? Who are you following? Oh my gosh. There's, I think one, one person that's really inspiring me right now is Anko Trong. I just love his work in terms of what he's doing and how organic it is in terms of how he works with an iron. He really mm -hmm. inspires me now. Expressions Creativos. They are really pushing the envelope out of, they're out of Spain. And they, their focus is they develop that pixel color that you see. But mm -hmm. their, their creativity in terms of them stepping out of the comfort zone is huge for me and how they see things. So there's that organic side of me that really those that inspires me on Cotron. And then there's that whole idea of the expressions creativos, them being able to push the envelope. So I really want the students to know that, you know, really don't get stuck in one comfort zone. Keep one of your foot inside that comfort zone and one out. The one foot is your principles, your foundation, and your fundamentals. The, out, the foot that's outside of it is your experience foot, your experiment foot, your discovery foot. Let me just say to the students, there's danger in the comfort zone. Make sure you continue to learn, learn, learn. Well, Sam, I love that so much. I think that was a perfect way to end this podcast. You are so inspiring. You did not disappoint. They say not to meet people that you look up to, but I cannot wait to meet you in person. I am so excited. I was going to tell you also, um, I played volleyball and I was libero. So you're setter. I feel like we can play. We'll get a game going when we get to meet. We'll be like everyone outside volleyball court now. <laughs> well, my knees are not the same like they used to because I'll never forget back in those days the coach made me wear ankle weights 
So can you imagine wearing ankle weights and then, and then coming, jumping and landing down on the floor? It just destroyed my knees. I'll never forget in Mexico, I was doing a, a, a training for a large chain and they were out on the beach playing volleyball. And I thought, I can do that. I can play. So I was playing for about 10 minutes and they go, wow, you really know how to play the game. You're diving all over the place. So little did I know, 15 minutes into it, boom, there goes my knee. And I just tore oh, my, no. my, I tore my ACL. Yes. Uh. It's, so it's just not the same, you know? I'm not the well, young guy I used to be. We'll just pepper around a little bit. <laughs> I love that. There's yeah. one thing, Bobby, that I can leave with your students, and that's yeah. this. I want them to understand that success is, is if they desire success, they can, they can have it. It's just a matter of asking themselves, who do they want to be, whether it's inside the industry or as a person? You know, success is like chasing a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it eludes you. Yet if you focus on the task at hand, success will land softly on your shoulder. So the point that I'm trying to say to students is really focus every day, every moment while you're in school, focus with intent and purpose. The good Lord gave you two of these and one of these. As a student, you need to use this more than you use this. You'll know when you, come, when you come a salon professional, when to use this. But this will always be very valuable valuable to you. I love that. Sam, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm not exaggerating. I don't say this to everyone. I mean it. When we started the podcast and we talked, we just kept, I mean, your name just over and over and over again kept coming out. I mean, I remember the first time I told Adam that I wanted to do a podcast. It was kind of like when you approach, I mean, on a much smaller level, um, but when you approach Redkin and said, I want to do something different, I wanted to make sure that Adam, the school owner, knew that I wasn't, I don't want to go out and do my own thing. I want to be, I want my home base to always be these students. They are everything to me. Um, but I had this idea and I remember saying like, I mean, what if we could get Sam Via? And so I just want you to know that this has been like so incredible and I'm just so happy happy that we had this time. I'm very, very thankful for it. Well, Bobby, I appreciate what you do for the industry and what you're doing for the students. And like I said in the beginning of this podcast, I really believe the students are the rainbows of the industry. So if there's anything that I can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. All right. Thank you. Stay healthy, stay safe. And I cannot, we will hopefully meet very soon. Yes, we will. Whenever you see me at a show or an event, you better come up and say hi. I and will introduce be yourself. there, I promise. <laughs> All right. Bye, Sam. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot, Bobby. Thank you all so much for watching today and for more beauty industry content, check us out at the links below.